Tonight, the death of Canada's prairie poet Ian Tyson, folk legend, musical icon. The cowboy storyteller who penned four strong winds. Home on the ranch and beyond. He was our voice, so he'll be missed. The Brazilian king of the beautiful game. The passing of Pele. Plus, the politician who admits to passing off fiction as fact. I'm not a criminal. I committed absolutely no crimes. Elected with extreme embellishment, the lies of George Santos. CTV National News with Omar Sachedina. Reporting tonight, Joy Malbin. Good evening, everyone. Heartbreak hangs heavy in the final days of this year. A trio of legends passed away today. From music to sports to fashion, they were all cultural touchstones. But we begin tonight with the Canadian who provided the quintessential soundtrack, Ian Tyson. He died today at age 89. CTV's BC Bureau Chief Melanie Nagy on the singer, songwriter, and storyteller. Rivers in a dry land. Lyrics connected to Canada. Big Alberta sky. Particularly the West, where he was from. She's a saddle bronker. No matter if it was country or folk, Ian Tyson was always a musical storyteller. Everything's fast forward now. Born in BC, Tyson taught himself to play the guitar after he was injured riding in a rodeo. That was the late 1950s, and that accident launched a long and successful recording career. He was the one that that really brought this country into the country music world and the folk world. Tyson's musical journey took him to Toronto, where he dove into the city's blossoming folk scene. That's where he met and fell in love with a songstress named Sylvia Fricker. And they became Ian and Sylvia, um, moving up pretty quickly in the world. The duo's talent and chemistry was contagious. Not only did they play sold-out crowds, but they released hit songs such as Four Strong Winds. I can sing this thing in my sleep. In 2015, CTV's Lloyd Robertson asked Tyson about that famous song. It's about the guy and and the, the lovely girl and the big country he was thoughtful very intelligent great storyteller he interpreted the canadian west after more than a decade making music together ian and sylvia parted ways in 1975. tyson went on to host a national tv show he was also inducted to the canadian music hall of fame and the order of canada in his later years, Tyson focused more on country songs, many of which he performed with established artists like Corb Lund. If you grew up a Western kid in, in, in Alberta, then Ian's music always loomed very large. While music remained a constant, health troubles eventually slowed the singer-songwriter. He died today at his ranch, located in the foothills south of Calgary. A cowboy storyteller Canada won't soon forget. Melanie Nagy, CTV News, Vancouver.
truly an icon. And on that theme, from the world of soccer, the great Pelé has died of complications from colon cancer. He was 82. Tonight, Rio's Christ the Redeemer is illuminated in the colors of Brazil, marking three days of official mourning. The tributes were immediate from Cristiano Ronaldo, Eternal King Pelé. A simple rest in peace from Lionel Messi and Neymar, who, like his hero, wears 10 for Brazil, wrote before Pelé, 10 was just a number. CTV's Los Angeles Bureau Chief Tom Walters on the soccer superstar who transcended the sport. The 1958 World Cup was the first one televised worldwide. And into the global spotlight stepped a Brazilian boy wonder, keeping a promise to his father. Father, no, don't worry, I'm going to win one World Cup for you. He was just 17 and had led Brazil to its first World Cup victory. By the time he retired, it would have more of them than any other country on earth. In fact, Brazil declared him a national treasure in an effort to keep him from playing anywhere else. Born Edson Arantes do Nascimento, a nickname that started as a childhood taunt, would become legendary. Inventive, versatile, seemingly exempt from the law of gravity, he ripped up the record books in club play, only to be sidelined by injury in the 1962 World Cup, then targeted, violently fouled, and forced out in 1966. But in 1970, he soared again, contributing to over half of all Brazil's scoring, including this goal, and two assists in the final. For a time, he was the highest-paid athlete in the world and was so beloved that the two sides in Nigeria's merciless civil war agreed to a 48-hour truce so both could watch Pelé. I always I try to give my best, to give the best for the people, for the crowd. In 1975, he came out of retirement to play three seasons in New York. No longer at his best, perhaps, he still led the Cosmos to a league championship. During and after his career, he was celebrated by monarchs and presidents. Named FIFA Player of the Century and Olympic Athlete of the Century, he holds records that still stand, has raised millions for charity, and has continued to inspire, reminding kids at a Toronto youth center to be themselves. If you are yourself, you can be anyone or better than anyone. Andy Warhol said Pelé contradicted his theory. Instead of 15 minutes of fame, he will have 15 centuries. And perhaps he was right. There can be little doubt that as long as the world plays a game called soccer, it will remember a player called Pelé. Tom Walters, CTV News, Los Angeles. And the British fashion maverick Vivian Westwood died today in her London home at age 81. Her designs earned her the title High Priestess of Punk. Certainly uh, one of the most revered designers um, of, of the century. A cause of death has not been revealed. And 2022 will go down as a deadly year for police in this country, compounded by the killing of an Ontario officer just this week. CTV's John Venavalli Rao on The Daily Risk. Outraged by the latest murder of one of their own, so many policing groups and others today joining the calls for action. The system failed uh, this police officer and has failed others. The killing of 28-year-old Greg Pirshala has shaken police to the core. These two are charged with murder after the rookie officer responded to a call about a car in a ditch and was shot to death. 
And it's the lengthy criminal background of one of the accused, Randall McKenzie, that's prompted troubling questions. This should have never happened. Something needs to change. In 2018, McKenzie received a lifetime firearms ban and was convicted of assault with a weapon and theft of a motor vehicle. Behind bars, he stabbed an inmate. And last year, McKenzie was again charged with several firearms-related offenses and assault of a police officer. Still, he was released on bail in June and was supposed to return to court in September, but didn't show up. Surely something is wrong when an accused is on bail for these types of offenses, has a warrant, and is able to have the opportunity to get another firearm and then use that to kill a police officer. Some wonder why McKenzie was released calling for bail reform, especially when it comes to offenders who use guns. The system for bail in the province of Ontario and further across Canada is quite broken. In part, some say there just aren't enough resources to reel in those who break bail conditions. The fact that a bench warrant is issued and sort of went into a void and, and nobody was actively looking for uh, this person is unfortunately uh, not entirely surprising given the, the, the paltry resources uh, many police services have to work with. Pirshala is now the fifth Canadian police officer to be killed in the line of duty this year. In a statement, the Justice Minister said, Federal, provincial and territorial governments continue to work together to examine ways to improve the criminal justice system, including with respect to the bail regime. As for whether the killings are part of a disturbing trend that will continue into 2023, one expert said it's too soon to say, and hopefully not. Joy. Okay, John, in Toronto, where one of eight teenage girls charged in that deadly swarming attack on a homeless man is free tonight. A judge granted her bail with a slew of conditions, including no contact with her seven co-accused. Anger at airlines is far from abating tonight, with passengers and their bags still not reaching their final destinations. CTV's Kevin Gallagher on a troubled year-end for travel. After days of delays, some air passengers are reunited with their stranded bags. Finally getting our luggage, my husband's medications in here. It's a symptom of the holiday chaos still affecting airports. I haven't changed my clothes still dance because everything I, I know, I've got nothing. The severe winter storm disrupted air travel. And today, Sunwing canceled all operations out of Saskatoon and Regina until February. On the same day, it informed some travelers their luggage won't join them on their vacations. I can't thank Sunwing to ruin my wonderful family vacation. New federal regulations that launched in September are supposed to help passengers get refunds, though air travel experts say the government needs to do a better job of enforcing them. It's more profitable to disobey the law than to comply. That must change. U.S. airports are reeling as well. Southwest Airlines canceled more than 15,000 flights since last Wednesday. It promises to restore normal operations tomorrow as its stock price has taken a tumble. Clearly, we need to double down on our already existing plans to upgrade systems for these extreme circumstances. Travel frustrations are on the rise this year with most pandemic restrictions lifted and Canada's largest airlines ranked well behind other North American carriers when it comes to punctuality, according to a new study. WestJet only managed to arrive on time 60% of the time, while only 55% of Air Canada's flights were punctual. Outraged holiday travelers are likely to face more delays if they lodge complaints with the Canadian Transportation Agency, Joy, 
the regulator is already facing an 18-month backlog. A long wait for answers. Okay, Kevin. Paralyzing the power grid in Ukraine tonight, the fresh wave of targeted attacks. 69 Russian missiles were aimed at Kyiv today. Most were shot down. CTV's Annie Bergeron-Oliver on the danger and the damage. It started well before sunrise. The strikes in the capital triggering five hours of air raid sirens. While that pushed many to seek refuge in Kyiv's underground subway stations, some, including Yana Denisenko's family, didn't have that chance. Her mother, sister, and 14-year-old niece were taken to hospital by ambulance after debris from a Russian missile hit her grandmother's home. My sister is being operated on, she said. She has some internal injuries. Her tearful grandmother, who was at work at the time, wants revenge. I want something to be thrown at Moscow so that it falls underground with Putin. Ukraine says its air defense system destroyed 54 incoming missiles, including all aimed at the capital. Still, about half of Kyiv was left without power. The Russians want to bring depression, especially right now, Christmas time, New Year. The, the Russians want to bring us to, to black time, to uh, without uh, lighting, to without heating. While Moscow denies targeting civilians, the evidence belies that denial. This missile in eastern Ukraine flew straight into a home, but miraculously, it didn't explode. This top Ukrainian military official said the massive strike was aimed at energy infrastructure across the country. One of the apparent targets, an electricity station in Kharkiv. Video posted by local firefighters showed the site completely engulfed in flames. And Russia's President Vladimir Putin's targeting of the power supply, a powerful MO after 10 months of war. He's lost everywhere on the battlefield. The only thing he can do is attack unarmed civilian targets, is, is make it miserable for Ukrainians, is to make them freeze. Ukraine's president is pushing for a peace summit at the United Nations in February. But today, Russia called that idea hollow and said, Joy, that it's nothing more than a publicity stunt by Washington. All right, thanks, Annie, from London. And from South Korea, this was no stunt. A semi crashed into a bus. Five people were killed, 37 injured. Time for a quick break, but coming up next... Shame! 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 A closer look at a congressman-elect's campaign of deceit. Benjamin Netanyahu is back in power in Israel tonight. He was sworn in as prime minister today for the sixth time, a comeback after he was ousted last year over corruption charges. His hardline new government is pledging to expand settlements in the West Bank. And George Santos, the newly elected Republican congressman from New York, has now caught the eye of federal prosecutors for his outright fabrications. CTV's Vanessa Lee on his litany of lies. Angry voters in New York say they feel deceived. They want George Santos to resign, calling their newly elected congressman's lies reprehensible. Watching this slow George Santos train wreck take place. Santos has admitted to lying about his education and employment. Did I embellish my resume? Yes, I did. And I'm sorry. 
He never worked at Wall Street firms Goldman Sachs and Citigroup, as he claimed in his campaign biography, which has now been deleted. We can debate my my resume and how I worked with firms such as Goldman Sachs. Is it and debatable or is it long, just false? No, it's debatable or is it just debatable? No. No, it's not false at all. It's it's debatable. Have other options. He also misled voters about his heritage, falsely claiming his grandparents were Holocaust survivors. I've always joked with friends and circles, even with in the campaign, I'd say, guys, I'm Jewish. Remember, I was raised Catholic. So, look, I understand everybody wants to nitpick at me. To lie about who we are and to lie about being descendants of Holocaust survivors for the purpose of political gain is beyond unacceptable. There are questions about his wealth and how he was able to lend his campaign $700,000. I'm not a criminal. I committed absolutely no crimes. And inconsistencies, too, about the death of his mother. In a tweet last year, Santo said 9-11 claimed her life. His campaign website states she survived but died of cancer several years later. Top Republicans on Capitol Hill remain silent as they need Santos to hang on to their narrow majority in the House. He is scheduled to be sworn in next Tuesday. Vanessa Lee, CTV News, Washington. And still ahead tonight, reflecting on Russia's invasion of Ukraine in our countdown of the top 10 stories of 2022. We arrive now at number three in our countdown of the year's top ten stories, the perils of Putin's war in Ukraine. Chief international correspondent Paul Workman on the conflict and cascading risk. With a thunderous arrival from the sky, Russia began its massed advance and nakedly aggressive attack on a peaceful neighbor. President Vladimir Putin refused then to call it a war and still won't. We have launched a special military operation, he announced, to demilitarize Ukraine and cleanse it of Nazis. Just days earlier, Ukraine's young president, Volodymyr Zelensky, was greeting visitors in a suit and tie. Soon transformed into a bearded and enormously popular wartime leader dressed in fatigue. Russian forces attacked from air, land and sea, foolishly confident of victory in mere days. Ukraine had a different idea. This is our land, our country, and we will defend it, said a defiant Zelensky. I am here, I am not leaving. If Putin's cynical intention was to cause a refugee stampede, it was immediate and overwhelming. Panicky guards fired shots in the air at Kyiv's central train station. Within weeks, some 8 million Ukrainians scrambled to leave the country on a scale not seen since the Second World War. Even as Russia inflicted horrendous suffering on Ukraine, this was a maternity hospital, (laughs) its grand invasion plan faltered from the beginning. By springtime, Russia's army in the northeast made a full and humiliating retreat. And that's when the world saw the horror of Bucha and other destroyed towns, evidence of torture, indiscriminate killing, in all likelihood, war crimes. 
In May, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau reopened the Canadian Embassy in Kyiv, one of a succession of leaders who made hush-hush visits to support Ukraine in person. By late summer, Ukraine was on the attack, liberating territory north and south. The city of Kharkiv was suddenly out of Russian artillery range, offering bittersweet relief amid the wreckage of lives and property. Where will you go? Facing disgrace on the battlefield, Putin turned to showy propaganda, formally announcing that four regions of Ukraine were now and forever would be part of Russia. Then came Ukraine's greatest act of sabotage, though never acknowledged the fiery bombing of a multi-lane bridge connecting Russia to Crimea. In a fury of revenge, Putin opened a ruthless new phase in the war, sending waves of missiles and drones to cripple Ukraine's energy system. A winter of suffering had begun. Paul Workman, nice to see you. A few days later, Zelensky sat down for an interview with Canadian television networks, showing no less determination than all those months earlier. There must be peace, no war, and that will happen. And the people who committed this war have to be held responsible, and that will happen. By year's end, Russia had launched more than 1,100 rockets and drones at Ukraine leaving millions to freeze and suffer in the dark in a war grinding towards a second year. Paul Workman, CTV News, London. In times of turmoil, Canadians turn to Ian Tyson. For strong winds that blow lonely. The Prairie Poet gets the last word next. All those things that don't change Come on, May. Our good times are all gone. And I'm bound for moving on. I'll look for you. We leave you tonight with the words and wisdom of Ian Tyson, a perfect reflection of his legacy. I'm Joy Malvin for Omar Sachedina, and for all of us here, thank you for watching. Good night. For strong winds that blow lonely, seven seas that run high, all those things that don't change, come what Some friends that I can go to work in full.